0: Uh, when I, get, when I visit Hidden River it, and it used to be more obvious back in the day I don't know why partly because Jeb, Jeb you lived in a different location you lived under final but I think something else has changed but you have a neighbor who at least used to and I think still does flies his airplane to work every day
1: uh, yes, he he's got a different airplane now. does he really? He used uh, to be
0: able to set he your used clock. To... he'd like fly over your head at seven o'clock in the right. morning. It seems a little later now that I've noticed maybe seven thirty or something like that, but
1: get... well, it's the other way around it's the other way around. He used to have that uh, Whitman tailwind, I believe it was. Uh-huh. That was yeah, it, it was kind of rough as we both as we all uh, agreed. um for some reason, uh, he he retired at a year or so ago and got a Grumman tiger. Cheetah, uh-huh. something like that. Okay. Uh, which is a, a nice little Grumman, um, but it's slower. So he leaves at six thirty. <laughs>
2: okay. Wow, that's a lot slower.
0: Where does he? Do you know um, where he flies to? How far does he fly? I want to, to say. I want to say Melbourne, Florida. Oh, oh, on the East Coast. On the East Coast, yeah. So basically, he flies all the way yeah, across uh, Florida. I was going to say Hawaii. Yeah. He, he,
2: Florida. The memory serves. He works for the uh, Gulfstream Service Center down there. Exactly. Exactly. Okay.
0: So, uh, so this guy flies his airplane to work, uh, to and from work every day. Uh, and now we've got a guy in, what is it, Australia? Australia. Australia. And, and uh, he... A foster's. You know, an Aussie. An Aussie. I, and I say that with love. I, I'm, I'm a big fan of a number of different Australian podcasts and video video series. Uh, replica Spitfire pilot soars with success after given OK to fly to work 365 days a year. Sad that he has to work 365 days a year, but I, I'm guessing that's a headline bug. <laughs> um, and uh, a far north Queen. And, and I'm also puzzled. I, mean, I guess I'm going to have to read this story and find out why he needed permission. A far north Queensland man has won his bid to fly his replica World War ii era Spitfire to work 365 days a year. Uh, let's see. Uh, tired of traffic snarls, Patrick English put in an application to the local council late last year to fly the plane from his private airstrip. I guess maybe they have different rules in Australia, and you have to. Maybe it's is it the private airstrip part that he needed permission for, or? Uh, yeah, that's what it used to be. Uh, next graph. The graph that begins on Wednesday. Uh, the council approved his request to be allowed to use his airstrip all 365 days of the year, up from 52 days a year. So he used to only be able to use his, his strip on, I don't know, Saturdays or Mondays or something like that. But uh,
1: um, can, can I ask why that is?
0: You can ask. Do you have an answer? No.
2: Why, why what is it he had to ask permission
1: well, why did he's got a private airstrip? Why is he restricted from using it on certain days or or at all or frequencies or whatever
2: my 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 guess would be either a codicil for where his private strip is or zoning
0: sounds like a zoning thing. He's quoted in the article saying it it, it says he didn't get everything he asked for, and then he's quoted as saying I had applied to be able to fly six times a day. And they've approved me essentially for one return trip per day, so uh, you know, different. Fo- yeah, they don't care how much he flies out there once he
2: leaves, but he can only come back once. Uh, you know,
0: I guess you know it could well be a, no- a noise abatement kind of thing or a. Uh, <clears throat> uh,
1: the, there's a link in there's a link uh, built in that article, and you click it, it leads to another article. Um, he's currently allowed to fly out from his private airstrip 52 days a year.
0: Um, yeah, that's the way. That's the way it's now. Before this new new permission, um, it, it it disturbs the horses in the peace and tranquility of the area. Well, there you go. It's that's apparently it's a, a noise deal. Yeah, it sounds like it's a noise deal. He's in the very next to last graph. He he says, uh, if I fly this airplane over a thousand feet, it makes less noise than a commercial jet. Uh, mm-hmm. and, uh, but the last line's my
2: favorite. Yeah, he says. Yeah, make,
0: what is it, David? What's the last line?
2: My Spitfire makes less noise than a Harley-Davidson. Okay. So we must be talking about an older Harley or aftermarket exhaust, because the new ones don't make that much noise. Yeah, I know.
0: I don't understand why the Harley people accepted that, but they apparently did. And, uh, and
2: uh, I know somebody... That's who, why the aftermarket exhaust business is so good for Harleys. Exactly right.
0: Oh, to make them louder. Yeah, exactly. okay. Sure, sure. I know a guy um, who was a huge, huge Harley fan, um, and... Uh, and I think he's he's distanced himself from Harley as a result of their um, dabbling in electric motorcycles. He was really I get the feeling he was really offended and troubled by the idea of an electric Harley. Uh. <laughs> Which sounds like a um, sounds like a six. Well, if it's
2: got enough battery power, they could always put yep. an
0: amplifier in there and make the
2: exhaust noise. Wasn't <laughs>
1: yeah. that a wasn't that a movie back in the sixties, The Electric carlies? And-
2: no, that's
0: what. I, thank you, Jeff. That's where I was trying to go. <laughs> yeah. You did it. Dinner. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's good. That's good. Hey, welcome, folks, to Uncontrolled Airspace, the General Aviation Podcast. I'm Jack Hodgson, coming to you from uh, high atop Lookout Point in uh, snowy, but boy, it better be spring soon. Nottingham, New Hampshire. Um, as I was telling these guys before we. Uh, started recording, a week. we had a, had our fifth Nor'easter of the year, uh, Well, and I should say they had their fifth Nor'easter, because I was gone for most of the winter, but my, my friends here in New England had their fifth Nor'easter uh, forecast for the last 24 hours, and at least this far north up here in, in southern New Hampshire, it has fizzled, and we've only gotten like a dusting of snow. Um, further south, it's, there's more snow, but there's still snow on the ground, and that sucks, and, and oh shoot, I'm going to get mail, I shouldn't have said that, they don't like when I use those words on the podcast, but anyways... Um, it's almost spring, and I'm happy with that. And
1: uh, wait, wait—you can't use the word "sucks" in a podcast.
0: I, 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 I did. We, we both did. Uh, David said, Oh well, that sucks. sucks." Yeah. Okay. Now you've said it twice. I was trying to get David to say it. So we're all. In. Um, now we're really going to get mailed because we're we're doing it. We're doing it. What's the word? We're doing it, not spontaneously.
1: <laughs> Gr- gratuitously.
0: Gratuitously. Thank you. We're doing it gratuitously. Um, so. Uh, so it's good that spring is 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 slowly arriving up here in the northeast, but what's especially good is I'm here in the virtual hangar talking to my, my two good friends, finally, after a big break, which we'll talk about a little bit later on. But anyways, my two good friends here, uh, that voice you just heard a moment ago is uh, from somewhere near Sarasota, Florida, Jeb Burnside. Hi, Jeb.
1: Hi, good morning. Good morning. How are you
0: doing this morning?
1: I am spiffy. How's the um. snow cover down there? It's, uh, it's not too deep, yeah. uh, thankfully. I mean, I, I can get to the mailbox.
0: <laughs> well, I'm sorry. I've spent some time at Hidden River. It's very deep, all right, but it's not snow. Um, and, uh, anyways, welcome.
1: Now, uh, what, what might you be speaking of? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. It made more sense we'll before to, I started
0: saying it than it did afterwards.
1: We'll have to take that offline.
0: I know, huh? I know. Uh, yeah, so it's nice down there, but it usually is. And uh, anything else going on? You're, 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 uh, rumor has it you're going flying this afternoon.
1: Uh, not this afternoon. I, I um, um, postponed it. I had some other stuff yep. pop up. Yep. Yeah, I I, had, I don't know if we talked about it. I kind of grounded the airplane uh, a couple of months ago and uh, uh, to fix some stuff. And, mm-hmm. uh, I finally got it all back together. I've got uh, uh, I to put a couple of interior items back in and, and uh, double check a couple of things. But it's ready to fly one more time. I know. So, I know. Uh, I hope, mean, it, hopefully, it, knock knock wood tomorrow. Yeah.
0: And then you were going to go flying this morning, and then your good friend Jack said, "Let's record the podcast Thursday morning." And you graciously, yeah, said, yes. that was yeah, so, yeah, kind appreciate of that my podcast. Yeah, appreciate yeah. that. And the other,
1: sacrifices we make
0: for yeah, our art, I know, I know. And my other good friend here in the virtual hangar from the air capital of the world, Wichita, Kansas. That's David Hignon. Hi, David. What's going on with you? Oh, looking at the first
2: buds of spring starting to green up the forest next to my house. So. Uh, we're, 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 we're ready for that. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you got a, a, snow-wise, you got a pretty mild winter out there, I hear. That's what you were telling me earlier. Yeah, we had, uh, we had a
2: whopping, I think it was two-tenths of an inch of snow and ice, uh, back in, uh, January, I believe it was. That's, that's our sum total of, uh, freezing precip for the winter. Mm Mm-hmm. We lucked out course then we also went five months with no moisture at all so that was not a good thing
0: oh really so it hadn't even rained huh that's that's not good until uh, the storm
2: that gave uh, the, the east coast so much snow and well shoot for that matter the ohio river valley a lot of snow uh that brought us about two and a half inches of rain much needed very welcome uh wouldn't have been bad if it had been a little warmer when it was raining but it was down in the high 30s, low 40s, it was not fun to be out in.
0: hmm Yeah. Um, yeah, when I was out in, uh, so the last time we recorded this this podcast was when I was in California at Will Hawkins' place, and, and all my California friends were, because they had, they had about a year earlier just re- survived a, a terrible, terrible drought multiple years with very, very little rain, and then suddenly uh, it had rain like crazy for uh, the better part, for for a rainy season, if you will um and then now just having visited california they were kind of sneaking their way back into drought but apparently it's rain there since. so weather's weird everywhere is i guess the whole point here um which is why we've for 11 years now been trying to bring our listeners information about the state of the weather around america that's what we're doing that's why we talk about weather but let's talk about other things in weather let's talk about airplanes what's going on here what do you guys want to talk about I was just like, uh, isn't there a list? Of there is a we list. About? There is a list. I was gonna. I, I had this idea that we would like try to try to. We long ago. So in the early days of the podcast, we didn't say there was a list, and then over the years, it's become part of the whole. You know, the whole UCap legend, and it suddenly occurred to me, why don't we try and do it as if there was no list? But that didn't work. Duots is going away, is it? I don't
1: understand. Well, what what is it? Yeah, what is up with that?
0: Well, you know, that's what I'm trying to understand, too. Um, so I, uh, an uh, aviation friend of mine tweeted me the other day or texted me the other day in, you know, capital letters with exclamation points. He says, Duats is being canceled. Oh, my gosh. And I'm going, well, you know, they've been threatening to cancel duots for years now. And I, I'm not sure what that even means anymore um, because there's so many. It's not like the online... Flight planning services are going away. I mean, AOPA is apparently still going to have their program, and you can do it through many other services. Um, I, I
1: well, um, I guess I have two questions, and, and I just I, I have those questions because I don't have the answers. Um, for example, uh, my four flight installation uses Duots for its weather briefing capabilities. Um, how Will or whether that will change is a question. Uh, I, I presume it will because it uses DOATs. Um, if DOATs is shut down, then I can't get a weather briefing via poor flight. I'm sure there is an answer to my question. I just don't know what it is. Yeah. Uh, the second thing is DOATs is what we call an approved FAA-approved weather information provider. Right. Um, and yeah, we can go to other. Um, sites to get weather information, but they're not necessarily approved. Um, looking at this um, um, article on the AOPA website, um, the, um, there have been some changes in ownership of the DUATS uh, uh, programs, et cetera, over the last couple of years. Uh, Lidos, Lidos, whatever their name is, uh, is one of the companies, and CSRA is another one. Uh, those are the two current providers. Lidos, I believe, is like the son of Lockmart um, that ran or runs, or um, ran, I guess is the correct word, uh, the flight service station, mm-hmm. uh, flight service program. And I think now that we're all going to be routed through the Lidos website, uh, 1-800-WX-Brief.com, Thing, but I don't know is the is the punchline, and um, um, I haven't had a chance to peel this onion. So
0: yeah, yeah. I mean, and and this is my recollection of it. and You guys correct me if I if I get it obviously wrong, uh, or listeners correct me. So duots got started like twenty five years ago, thirty years ago. Um, thirty years says, ago, yeah. Yeah, yeah this it, says
1: nineteen eighty nine. Yeah. It yeah.
0: was a it was a it was a text only service that you connected uh-huh. to with your computer. Um, by way of either a dial-up connection or if you were a really sophisticated user you could get a, a, a terminal connection sort of a, you know a shell kind of connection to it um, and it was a command line service that you 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 know issued commands and got information back and, and and it was sort of run in the name of the government like you did allude to jeb it was writ- actually run by i think private contractors and so that's how you did it and you get you could get flight briefings um from there and as i recall one of the features of it was that not only would you get an official approved flight briefing but the fact that you got the briefing was logged um right because you were logged in as you and as part of the briefing you had to enter the tail number of the airplane that you were planning to fly so it was logged that you had received a briefing which um doesn't seem i don't know i guess it's still important but um
1: it, no, it's, it's still important simply because um, if there's, you know, a, quote, problem, unquote, um, one of the things the FAA is going to want to know is whether you got a real uh, weather briefing right. and what that briefing contained, and what perhaps briefing more became. importantly.
0: So then what happened was, um, that, so this is obviously pre-web what I just described, and then when the web started to appear... Um, various services, including one that I was actually um, uh, in, involved with contractually. I, I worked for an outfit uh, called EnFlight, uh, E-N-F-L-I-G-H-T, com. I, rem- I remember them. Yeah, yeah which nflight has gone through a lot of iterations over the years, and I'm not even sure if it still exists. It probably does. Anyways, nflight was uh, was founded by a, g- a guy who, uh, a former co-worker at Apple who was also a very experienced pilot, and uh, and he was initially using the duat service as the as the as the uh, information source for his online services he did uh, um, um plain language flight because brief- back in those early days the flight the weather briefings were all in the sort of metars uh, weird language you know uh, you know abbreviations and 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 code words and whatnot and he did a plain language translator that turned that that Briefing into uh, into English, so it was a little more readable. He did that, um, and then later did a web interface to it, and 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 also had a flight planner, and and that was sort of the early days of N flight. Um, he also was involved with uh, some of the code that early code that AOPA used in their online flight planning, flight briefing systems. But, uh, and but all it, these years, the do odds people have been
2: fixtures at Sun and Fun and right. I- Oshkosh. They're oh, Duwats- handing out their CDs with the latest iteration of their software and information and
0: printed stuff that they put in magazines. Right, of. right, right. But the point of my story here is that Duot's originally was well, originally was text-based command line. Then various uh, uh, developers used it and sort of scraped it is the technical term that a lot of us use, um, which is to say it kind of grabbed the information out of Duot's sort of semi-officially. Um, and then later i think duots actually implemented a real api so that so that developers could officially get information from duots but it always was coming from various government sources by way of duots and i i don't know what I, and now i've lost track of how it all works so i don't know what's going away when they say duots is going away it may well be that the remnants of that old direct connection because that's what the d in direct duots means i believe right direct user access terminal
1: Terminal system, yeah, terminal yes. system, right?
0: Yes. Um, so maybe the the direct part is going away, in these uh, these contra- but because there are so many other sources and other ways for the, the, uh, the uh, you know web based services to connect to the systems, I guess maybe. Listeners need to explain this to us because we clearly are well, just talking yeah, about
1: I NADS mean, Yeah, the, the the news that NADS new is going away isn't all that helpful um, to pilots. Um, the question is, you know, what about the all these existing connections we have to do lots, uh, uh, as I described via four flight, for example. What's going to replace it? How are we going to use four flight? And I'm sure for, the four flight guys have an answer. I just don't know what it is. Yeah.
0: yeah. So. So maybe if there's anything valuable that's coming out of this discussion from us, it's don't panic. All
1: right. There's still going to be we can, we just can't. Oh, even I don't imagine. know. There's- What's that? There's all kinds of there's all kinds of reasons these days. To <laughs> you know, panic. Yeah, <laughs> This this Pan- may or may not be one of them.
0: panic is always appropriate, but uh, but it, it seems unlikely that all of the ways of doing flight briefing and flight planning online will go away. Um, uh, this is just a, a some sort of thing.
2: Well, there, there's so many private uh, suppliers, vendors, if you will, including AOPA.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, they have their own flight
2: planning, the their own days. briefing link. that works through Duots now, so I. I would bet money that that would
1: continue. Yeah. The question is, what's going to be the legal-slash-approved uh, source? Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I just, you know, it, it just kind of gripes me a little bit that, that we're hearing all this about Duat's ending, but we're not hearing about what the the workaround or what the, the next iteration is going to be. So maybe I'm just not listening. I don't know. Yeah. So, okay. Anyway. Um, uh, they,
2: they're, basic, they're basically shifting it all to the flight services uh, website. Uh, you that's know. They, you know, so how that works over there. We'll have to uh, click on that link and explore a little bit and, and talk about this at another time.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, which which I'm sure we
0: will. Because I have no doubt. Because we got another eleven years to fill, so it'll come up. Um, what? I a, yeah, I know. In a recent what? episode, in a, in a past episode, what? calm down, it'll be okay, it'll pass before you know it, um, <laughs> so to speak. Um, in a in a recent episode, we talked about uh, flying um, as you were visiting various parts of the country and the whole idea of renting airplanes here and there. And we talked about Hawaii, and it was probably me who suggested that that renting an airplane for a vacation, you know, kind of flight around Hawaii was somewhat problematic, all right? Um, and uh, we heard from a listener, Pilot Tim, in the forum. Pilot Tim wrote to us um, to uh, to clarify and differ a bit with what I said. He said, flying in Hawaii is a lot simpler than represented in the episode, he writes. My wife and I have visited the islands three times in the past seven years. Each time, I've enjoyed seeing the islands from the left seat of a 172. You can't beat it, he writes. I've flown out of Lihue on Kauai, Kona, and Hilo, on the Big Island. Each time, I located a local instructor to fly with. This eliminates the need to get checked out. An instructor knows the local flight rules that are specific to each island and can properly pronounce the names of the reporting points, obviously. (laughs) He he continues, the the cost of two people for a helicopter tour is two to three times as expensive as a plane and the instructor. Plus, you get to fly, and you determine where you go and how long you spend there. He finally says, uh, in 2011, we flew over a rift eruption uh, a la uh, volcano. He said a quarter mile crack in the ground with a curtain of lava shooting as high as 40 feet. It's the top of a number of great memories in the islands, he writes. And then he uh, includes a picture uh, of this uh, this crack with, like, you know, molten lava spewing out of the earth as you're flying overhead, presumably fairly high overhead. I expect Godzilla to come out of there at any moment. Thank you to Pilot Tim for filling us in on that. That's That sounds like a terrific uh, uh, adventure to, uh, to tour the islands that way. Um, and, and spectacular photo. Yeah, it is, it is yeah, a really cool photo.
1: Really, really cool image, yeah. yeah. I don't know if we talked about it uh, in that episode. Um, I did that several years ago. You did? Uh, to be, yeah, I happened to be on Maui for, for a vacation and had the foresight to take my logbook and certificates with me and went out to the local airport um you know called ahead uh, went out to a local airport uh, rode with instructor basically got a local checkout in 172 and took my uh, father-in-law and brother-in-law around the island. Uh, it was a lot of fun.
0: Nice yeah, yeah. did you I mean did, yeah. did you just kind of do a big circle or did you did you target any particular
1: sites or no we didn't we didn't really target anything specific we we just went uh, from uh, the big airport at Maui uh counterclockwise I'm sorry clockwise around the island um and uh just saw the sights from from uh you know obviously a, a different perspective we circled a couple of points of interest and and um just kind of cruised around and looked at the whole scenery you know it, it was a blast uh and and you know there's a there's an identifier in my logbook that not a whole not a whole lot of people have
0: yeah very very cool yeah.
1: david Surely.
0: how about you? you what kind of flying have you done on vacation trips Any, anything notable uh, yeah, some, some, but they were all vacation trips that I flew myself. Uh, oh yeah, back in the days when we well, you had your we, airplane, yeah,
2: yeah. But we flew there and then we, you know, played tourist uh, a, a little bit. Uh, Outer Banks, uh, the uh, uh, Mexico, uh, Canada, Cancun, Caymans. Uh, And when we visited these places, we didn't didn't leave the airplane parked the whole time there. We got out and flew around. Like, you can take a tour of Grand Cayman Island in your plane and see the entirety of the island in maybe 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Not a very big place. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, We... uh, did some flyovers of some of the uh, ruins that we were going to visit as tourists uh, when we were uh, in uh, Cancun in uh, December of 99. Uh, just had a ball with that. We threw uh, a couple of people in the uh, Comanche and found the, the highway that uh, the map said would take us to those locations and just followed the highway. there got a look from the air, shot a couple of pictures and went back, and then went there to visit on the ground the next day. Hmm. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, cool.
0: Uh, it's fine. Yeah. Airplanes, what an idea. I think, you know. I was, what a concept. Yeah, I know. I think this could catch on.
1: <laughs> the problem is, it is. Uh, I don't know. Man. Yeah. No, I, I think the jury's still out.
0: It, it clearly is. Uh, moving on here. David, what's DAC? DAC? Is it DACs? DAC? DAC, that's short for Dakota. Dakota.
2: The c C forty seven Dakota.
0: Okay, but this—what's the story then? You posted this in the list, and but I got the feeling DAC was something else. Wait a minute. Well, there's a there's a
2: a Dakota DACs over Normandy is an organization that's trying to organize a flight of uh, C forty sevens from the states and other parts of the world back to uh, uh, Normandy for the 75th anniversary of the D-Day uh, uh, invasion. We're familiar with one of the more famous uh, airplanes that's going to be part of that group, and that's that's All Brother, mm-hmm. which was led the invasion as the first airplane to cross the channel to drop paratroopers and, and uh, unload uh, gliders over uh, Normandy. Right. Uh, they're shooting for 49 uh, wouldn't wouldn't break their heart, I think, if they had more uh, What popped in here Was a uh, Vintner In California Owns a uh, Owns a Dakota I'm not sure that it's not Really just a DC-3, but uh, They are joining The organization, they're going to be flying over And uh they uh, showed this airplane at uh, different air shows on the West Coast and uh, show it off. The, uh, the the folks are real hot about it. Mm-hmm. And for some reason or another, the notes that I left here. Oh, there we go. The Spirit of Vinovia. And it's the Vinovia Winery in uh, in Northern California. Mm-hmm. uh I wouldn't be surprised to see more than 49 go on this It just intrigued me that a Vintner uh, Is operating a uh, Looks like it's set up for aerial tours uh, uh, DC-3 And that they're uh, Throwing in and helping promote D- DAX over Normandy uh, Which will be coming in 2019 So mark your calendars
0: Yeah, that looks cool I was just trying to figure out I wonder I was wondering to myself how many airworthy DC3/C47s slash still exist. And oh loads I'm looking at the I'm looking at the, uh, I'm looking at the uh, Wikipedia page here for the DC3 and the number's not jumping to me. Uh, although this is interesting. Wait a minute, this can't be right. Wikipedia is saying that only 607 DC-3s were built. That,
1: doesn't... that, that, could, well, that could well be correct. Keep, keep in mind that the, there's also the C-47.
0: Right. Yeah. And that's maybe yeah. what we got to look at next here. Let's
1: see if we can... And in fact, the, the airplane that we're talking about here, the uh, Bonovia uh, Wineries airplane is actually a C-53, uh, which is a, a variant of the C-47. Oh, very good, Jim.
0: How does it vary, do you know?
1: Well, according to Wikipedia... Ah, here
0: we go. uh, Yeah, go ahead.
1: It it does not... Yeah, it... it, um, um, Let's see. It lacked the cargo door, hoist attachment, and reinforced floor of the C-47. Um, 380 copies of the C-53 were manufactured.
0: And, and just to close the circle here, um, I'm now looking at the C-47 Wikipedia page, and it's saying that the number built is 10,174. Right. That's more like a wartime number of airplanes that I was expecting. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. A, a, a lot of mo- go, ahead. go ahead. No, no, go ahead, go ahead.
2: I was going to say, they were coming out of the uh, Douglas factory in uh, California to the rate of several a day. Yeah. 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 Um,
1: and... Uh, I don't know. You It know, depends on how you count them. Um, the C-47 was the Army Air Force version. Um, the R-4D was the Navy version. Now, whether that number of of uh, C-47s that you just cited uh, includes the R-4D, I don't know.
0: Yeah, the Wikipedia um, information block here does call out the C-53s. It kind of combines them together. It, it suggests the number includes both. Um, and it talks about variance, but it's not clear about the numbers. I could read it more carefully, but I'm not going to because... Yeah, yeah. Because I'm not
1: going to. Well, well uh, you take... Go ahead. No, I was going to say, if you scroll down the uh, Wikipedia page on C47, you will see that um, there were, according to Wikipedia, 965 built including 12 as R4D-1s and then there's C47A, EC47D, C47F it goes on and on and on yeah. uh, and uh, all these different variants I guess can be totaled up I'm not going to do that right now
0: yeah no no that's uh, right but yeah and I will I will finally point out that uh, remind people that yeah the DC3 and its variants are are on my list of classic aircraft designs that uh, I think are just, you know, they just got it right. Um, Sure. Yeah. uh, um, Yeah, The DC threes are
2: still flying in commercial service around the world,
0: you know, and, and, uh, and, and in part, I mean, one of the, one of the contributors to its continued popularity is our friends at Basler at, uh, at uh, Whitman field Mm -hmm. in, uh, in Oshkosh who are upgrading them to, uh, to turbine engines. So, uh, you know, just says something, I guess, about the airframe that, that it's worthy of that kind of improvement. Uh, so. They say third time's a charm. The DC 3 is probably the
2: greatest example in aviation. Right. Douglas started out with the DC 1 for, I think it was American Airlines, to so met their specifications. He had a one page spec sheet of what they wanted. Uh, they built a handful of those, upgraded it to the DC 2. Uh, built a few more of those Then went on to the DC-3 Which is I, I, I think until the 737 Hit 10,000 ship sets That there's never been Another commercial airplane uh, Built in greater
1: numbers And and you just you just Touched on another little Milestone here that's something we should be talking about Which is in fact The 10,000 737 Was recently delivered Oh, that's a big deal. Oh, yeah. That's a big deal.
2: And all of them came out of Wichita.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: By mm-hmm. train. Oh, I'd find that ironic, but yeah. Yeah, it's a little ironic, isn't it? Yeah. The airplane gets built in Kansas and then put on a train and sent to, what, Washington State, basically, right? And uh, Yeah, it gets sent to Renton. Yeah, and almost all of them arrived there. That's a a joke based on a
1: classic classic
0: picture of the the train that derailed and the uh, airplanes crashed. (laughs) Anyways. Uh, Horror. Horror. uh, Right. Yeah. Hi, this is Jack. We here at Uncontrolled Airspace are very grateful for the financial support we receive from our listeners. There are two simple ways that you can contribute to this podcast. You can make a one-time, non-repeating donation by using PayPal. It doesn't need to be very much. As little as $10 or $15 is a big, big help. Or you can make an automatically repeating per-episode pledge with Patreon. With the online service Patreon.com, you can pledge as little as $1 per episode, put limits on your per-month contribution, and change or cancel your pledge at any time. For more information about how you can support this podcast in one of these ways, see the Uncontrolled Airspace homepage and the box in the right-hand column labeled Tip Jar. That will take you to a page with details on both these support methods. Thanks. Um, So there's been a story in the news the last week or so, or I forget exactly when I first saw it, about one or more FBOs um, at airports that are claiming, laying claim, to an exclusive right to charge for parking on the ramp of these various public funded airports you, you familiar with this story have you guys seen yeah this, this is yeah go ahead well no i mean what's your, so that's what that's what the story is right and I, I let's see now i've actually got an example of the story here from flying magazine's website um maintaining airport access for general aviation quote you can't park here is what um this is a martha king story um in flying website um and I, I won't try and read it but I, I if i'm summarizing it correctly it's pointing out the fact let's see which airports they're talking about here uh i don't see that they're talking about a particular report she's just bemoaning a particular example of when they fl- flew someplace to park um and and we're going to be charged a ramp fee does this happen often i mean I, it's not been my experience but then i don't fly nearly as much as you guys do all the time really They'll charge you a ramp fee if you don't buy gas.
1: Okay. Yeah, it uh, depend- it, 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 let, let's, let's back up. Each airport is different. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, I can go, I can fly over to the Venice, Florida airport, <clears throat> which I'm going to do tomorrow, um, and uh, do pretty much whatever I want um, without a ramp fee. I can fly, like, you know, 12 miles north to Sarasota. And I'll have a ramp fee. Um, there's two or three FBOs at Sarasota. There's really only kind of one at, uh, at Venice. Uh, I can go to Tifton, Georgia, where I learned to fly. And, and uh, I may or may not have a ramp fee there. kind of depends on, on who I talk to and how long I'm there and things like that. Um, I think we've had some similar conversations um, on, on the overall topic of FBO fees and or airport access for general aviation Um, AOPA in recent months has gotten very exercised um, specifically with a couple of airports or a couple of FBO chains, Uh, Signature comes to mind and Key West, uh, Florida comes to mind Um, AOPA's um I think justifiably concerned uh, about um, what they would consider maybe inappropriate fees or uh, inappropriate charges for the, the, the act of landing, taxing in, shutting down, loading, unloading, and, and then trying to take off again without having to pay a ramp fee. Um, this popped up last year at some point, um, and uh, they've been doing various things. um uh, with the FAA, uh, there's uh, some some rather obscure regulations um, in the FAA uh, um, rules that uh, regard um, uh, airport access and uh, things like this, and AOPA has been uh, trying to work some of those rules to its benefit. Um, I did an editorial, I don't know, gosh, a year or so ago in Aviation Safety, talking about some of this. Um, the, the, the real challenge is when, the, when you have a monopoly FBO situation at a public use airport they can pretty much do anything they want when it comes to fees uh, fuel prices et cetera. Uh, and there's no um, I don't want to, my problem uh, with all of this is that um, I don't know before I land At an airport, uh, what those fees might be. Mm -hmm. Um, They're rarely listed. They're certainly not listed, for example, in the airport facility directory, the FAA's uh, publication. They're certainly not put together and and, and, uh, available um, in for flight or other EFBs, for example. Uh, Fuel prices might be available, but even those can change and depend on, you know, um, how many gallons you buy, what kind of airplane, um, you know, da-da-da-da-da. My problem with the whole thing is this: all this should be predictable. Mm -hmm. All this should be um, readily understood before you land at that airport or taxi up to that FBO ramp, uh, and there should be no surprises. Yeah, you can call ahead. Uh, Sometimes that's not practical. You can go surf the, the uh, FBO's website. They may or may not have a, a list of the various fees charged. Mm-hmm. Um, y- both of you will remember on occasion we've popped into uh, Tampa. You know, I was thinking Tampa uh, yeah. International. Um, and used, I think it was the signature facility there, uh, to pick up one or both of you and, and fly back here to Hidden River. Um It's a great little FBO. It's a great big FBO. It's very well-appointed. They've got brand-new courtesy cars. Uh, Everybody's polite, professional. The facility is clean, you know, whatever you need. I don't mind flipping, you know, $5, $10, $15 uh, uh, for the ability to use that facility and and borrow the courtesy car or something like that. Um, Sometimes, uh, you know, I walk in hi, I just, I'm just i just waiting on a friend. Uh, he's going to be over here in just a moment. I uh, hope I'm not in the way. Um, no, I don't need any fuel. What do I owe you? And sometimes, you know, they'll look at me, they'll look at the airplane, and maybe decide this guy can't afford, you know, to pay anything. Let's get him the hell out of here and say, no, no fees. Just go away. Leave us alone, you know, kind of thing. Um, I'm laughing uh, because... And
0: that's happened. You yeah, know, I believe you. I'm laughing because I, I look at your airplane and go, cool expensive airplane all right but then the people who deal all in you know biz jets go what's that thing doing here you know
1: and yeah what's you know it's got a it's got a propeller yeah, right, we haven't I seen know. one of those in days <laughs> know, what the heck is that so i'm
0: sitting here thinking what is the right thing about all this and i'm i'm con- i confess i'm a little confused all right because um so you know, I think a, a, an airport that is mainly a GA airport, and that's a pretty slippery term, I admit, all right, but an airport that's basically a GA airport, but a public airport, um, an airport, for example, that's received FAA money um, to, to help it out over the years, uh, it seems to me that that there should be public access parking available at that airport. Um and that's and, another and, thing, yeah. And and that and, and that the FBO and sadly you, know, you mentioned earlier if there's a monopoly, and, and my experience is that there's usually a monopoly. Um not because anybody's trying to be be you know monopolistic so much as the fact that the economy of these small airports just can't support two FBOs. They barely support one in a lot of cases. Um but so the FBO I'm okay with the idea that the FBO has controls certain parts of the ramp, like, for example, in front of their hangars or their courtesy building or whatever, and maybe charge for that space if they choose to do that. But I, it feels to me like that kind of an airport should have a, a decent number of public access, if you will, free parking spaces for anybody who bops in. Yeah,
1: yeah I, don't, I don't disagree. I, one of my things, and something else I put in the, that editorial I wrote, Last year, whatever it was, um, at a publicly funded airport, it should be cons- it should be considered like a uh, an interstate highway off ramp, mm-hmm. uh, interchange. Okay, you can pull off of that ramp, pull off of that interchange, uh, and you can avail yourself of the the, the services available at that uh, at that ed- at that exit, uh, or you can just you know, continue on down the intersecting road. You don't have to stop and pay somebody for the right to get off of that interstate. Um, clearly, the analogy is a little different when it comes to aviation, but a publicly funded airport should have uh, the, the, the facility for someone to uh, land, uh, load, or unload without having to bother the FBO, uh, and in presuming they don't need any fuel or any other services, pack up and leave uh, without um, having to pay the FBO. Now, one slippery slope is er airport landing fees, which um, are not FBO fees, are not fuel flowage fees, are not ramp fees, um, but uh, the airport itself, as an entity, charges for the use of uh, uh, of the airport that's not unlike say a, a parking fee at a hotel or or uh, um you know any other um, uh company or facility that you might access with your with your ground-based vehicle um in the purview of an airport to levy um but again that's something that should be published and disclosed in advance and uh not necessarily subject to uh to the whim of whoever's behind the counter.
0: Yeah, I mean that sort of brings well, me to the. I'm sorry, David. We've been monopolizing. David, you speak. What's going on? Well, it's, I've, I've got to chime in with
2: Jeb here. Uh, I agree with the. There should be public access at publicly funded airports. Period. And and it, it's okay if an FBO needs to charge a little bit for services. And I'll give you a couple of extreme opposite examples Uh, many many times uh, my late wife Annie was going to go visit family in DC and at the time the only really reasonable airline uh, fares out of Kansas to get to DC were out of Kansas City International so I put her in the Comanche fly her up to Kansas City International where she could take southwest back, uh, back east I'd pull into the uh, uh, executive beach FBO there, park. they say, do you need any fuel? I said, no, but I do need to have a passenger run over to the terminal. They said, sure, uh, the van will be out front in a minute. We'd load her stuff into the van, go over. The van would leave. I'd wait until she boarded, make sure that it actually left. And then I'd call, and the van would come back to pick me up. Charge? None. Zero. Zip. Mm -hmm. And I always threw 20 gallons of fuel into the airplane for the the good service that they gave me. Now, contrast that with Signature at Tampa, where on a number of occasions, Jeb has flown from Hidden River down to drop me off to catch an airline flight of... they're going to run me over, but we ask, what do we uh, owe you for landing and walking through your lobby?
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: and they would open up this three-inch, three-ring binder and look up BE33 and look at me and say, $35, for which I would hand them a card, and they would debit me 35 bucks. Now, that did get me the privilege of a van taking me over to the airline terminal. But on one of those occasions, I called a cab, and it was still freaking 35 bucks, yeah. <laughs> and all we did was walk through the freaking lobby. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm sorry, but Jeb's demon taking up 40 by 50 foot of space for 20 minutes seems a little bit uh, uh, much to charge 35 bucks for that privilege. And, oh, well, of course, I I did put a little wear and tear on their lobby floor by dragging my rollers through there. So you got this FBO at Kansas City International, which says, sure, no sweat, meet you out front, no charge, and they, oh, you're walking through our lobby? Ha, <laughs> 35 bucks, please. And said, I'm glad I didn't have to go back to the airplane.
0: Yeah, yeah. And that's especially frustrating in this day and age when the main reason why you have to walk through their lobby is that they've fenced off the whole airport for, you know, various pseudo-security reasons. and uh, mm-hmm. um yeah, it's a complicated. Yeah, thing. you know, because I was just so earlier, I I said I was confused, and I and, and I wasn't at all confused about the example I gave because the other end of the spectrum does start to confuse me. The 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 big, for example, a Class Bravo airport like Tampa. All right, I, I guess I'm kind of okay with the idea that they would charge, you know, private airplanes to go in there. Um, if Kansas I Kansas City International is in a Bravo. Yeah. And they don't. Okay, I mean, I'm glad the ones that don't. But I guess I'm. What I'm saying is that I'm not. Uh, I'm not. I'm not offended by the fact that a, one of the, these these larger airports would, which confuses me because I ought to be. I ought to be just as troubled by it as anybody else. Uh, it's it's well, very confusing. Uh, the, you
1: know? Yeah, the, the fact of a Bravo existing uh, at that. Main airport is is not indicative of there being a fee. Um, in, in fact, the Bravo is an airspace construct. It has nothing to do with security at the airport or, or uh, the, the cost of the facilities at that airport. One of the better examples, and AOPAs is uh, 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 certainly realized this. One of the better examples is Key West International. Okay, uh, it's a it's an airline service airport. Um, it's. Um, uh, a very popular destination um, so up this until is the well,
0: that, the airport that, that i you use when you fly. Yes, down there. You, I, I've been yes, with you once yes. or twice. Yes. Okay. Right. Go ahead. Yep. Exactly.
1: Um, there's one FBO. Mm. Um, it, it, I think it's a signature now. I used to be uh, uh, Island Air Service or something like that, and I think Signature bought them out. Um, they're the only game in town, and um, those. Those fees are, <clears throat> excuse me, one of the, the uh, things that AOPA is very exercised about. Um, I don't know where all that stands right now. I simply haven't been paying attention.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, and you keep talking about signature owns this now and signature owns that now. Maybe this is part of the problem, right? Is signature becoming too big? Um, but that's a whole different kind of question. Um, yeah. Because again, though i again very I'm very sympathetic go, to go what I would characterize as a mom-and-pop FBOs, all right? The, 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 you know, one-shot FBOs that are at, you know, Skyhaven Airport in, in, uh, in Rochester, New Hampshire, all right? I'm sure struggles to stay alive, all right? And, and ironically, they're probably not the ones charging a ramp fee, um, you know? Like David says, they're the ones that say, sure, come on, we'll give you a ride in the van, you know? It's, it's, a, it's, an, odd, it's an odd economy, this airport business, this airport industry. That's all, Jeb. What were you going to say? Uh, or David? We we David.
2: we had some amazing we had some amazing FBO visits that that, that, that caused Annie to to uh, tell tales about. Uh, we got caught by weather coming home from uh, Sun and Fun one year, in the Cherokee landed. At, at the airport that came up when I pushed the nine one one button on the GPS was Andalusia, Alabama. Mm-hmm. So we went hot-tailing in there, beat the storm, got inside before the rain hit. Uh, they not only had two courtesy cars there, but they had an old-time popcorn machine, an old-time hot dog steamer with buns and all that. Flight crew, it was free. For passengers, it was, you know, a buck. Yeah. Uh, since there were two of us, you know, they, they let us both have hot dogs and popcorn for free. But not before offering us one of the two courtesy cars if we wanted to go into town where uh, there were some nice restaurants. And they even had a discount card for a two-for-one lunch at one of the places. No landing fee, no FBO fee, no nothing. Uh, Tallahassee, Florida. Many times we used one of their courtesy cars to go into town for barbecue because we couldn't get into Lakeland uh, because of fog or weather. And we were waiting for that to clear up. Uh, so they tossed us the keys to a little, you know, late model Volkswagen Beetle, and we went into town, which is about a 10 or 12-mile drive from uh, the, the uh, airport at Tallahassee. Uh, I mean, it's just all over the map, but all the greatest experiences we had were places where it was like, oh, sure, you want a car? Uh, Greenville, Mississippi. We're going to overnight there because weather ahead of us is, uh, is level five-plus guy says, okay, we got uh, two courtesy cars. Uh, do you like country or rock and roll? And we go, uh, what difference does it make? Well, one of the cars has got country on all the radio buttons and the other one's got rock and roll on all the radio <laughs> buttons. <clears throat> <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No charge. I, I mean, we we were buying fuel, but uh, all we were buying for that little Cherokee was like 30, 30 gallons. And uh, you yeah, Used the courtesy car. Went to breakfast the next day. Got a good recommendation for a, for a restaurant. A recommendation for a hotel. Uh, no ramp No charge for the courtesy car. Nothing. Here you go. Here's the
0: keys. Yeah. yeah. I'm beginning to think. Uh, go ahead.
1: While yeah. we're go ahead. No, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to note while we while we've been talking here, I've been doing a little googling, and um, one of the uh, data points here, as I pulled up uh, the uh, Key West International. Um, Entry on AirNav.com. They typically use uh, FAA data uh, for their uh, uh, airport description um, pages. Uh, data from, for example, the uh, the uh, FAA's Airport Facility Directory. And um, there's no uh, mention on this entry um, where I'm sorry whether there's any fees at uh, at Key West. I did a Control-F, search from within Google Chrome on this page for the word F-E-E-Fee. And the only place that pops up is in the word Feel, which is in the description um, of the signature of FBO at Key West. Mm -hmm. Um, If you then click through to the Key West page for uh, uh, signature, the... uh, um, signatures website for Key West there is uh, no words about what the fees might be uh, I'm going to do the control F thing again for fee um, again the 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 word feel is in this is on this webpage but that's it um, that's that's my one of my fundamental problems with all of this is I can't make an informed decision Uh when I fly to one of these airports or, or an airport with only a, a single FBO, monopoly FBO situation, whether to go there and what it's going to cost me in advance. That's my problem.
0: Yeah. And and but you, and, you, and, and there are a lot of ahead. situations where you shouldn't have to make an informed decision because you're not landing by choice necessarily. You know, you're landing because something's happened and you need to get on the ground and you shouldn't be, well, and that, you and, shouldn't and, be filtering and that decision based on which aerop- airport is cheapest to park at.
1: Right, um, and that's why I say you know I said earlier sometimes you know even if in this case there is no mention on signatures webpage what those fees might be um, that would be certainly one resource to find out what those fees are at Key West I have to call the FBO um, that's not always practical especially if I'm airborne um, and you know i have to divert to key west i've got a whole situation of other problems but um um if i if i'm airborne somewhere else and i have to divert um that's a problem i don't know how much that's going to cost me that could well factor in to my decision to divert or not divert
0: i think we need to start a movement here we go we're going to start i'm kind of half serious here a movement that every public airport in america must have a reasonable number of no charge public access parking places. Um,
1: I agree. And now, now again, I, I and, about, know, and by the way, a fence or, that you
0: can get through without heinous, you know, security. Mm-hmm.
1: If you don't need any services, if you're there for thirty minutes, whatever, yeah. there should be a, you know, if if you're an angel flight or if you're uh, you're popping in to to uh, um, drop off a package or something, you know um and you're going right back out you don't need any services all you're doing is is laying a little bit of rubber on the runway um why does that cost an arm and a leg i don't know
0: yeah so anyways all right uh We, we will probably revisit this topic. yeah probably probably hey i'm sure i've lost track but i'm pretty sure we're reaching the end of our allotted time here um shout outs what do we got here Anybody want to – let me – you guys think about this while I – I want to repeat a shout-out from last episode just to call attention to the fact that um, this is sort of podcast administration. Um, we now are including in in the MP3 file that our audio um, – that contains our audio we now can we now uh, include something called mp3 chapter markers um, so if you're you're listening to this podcast in in a podcast player or an audio player that supports mp3 chapters you will um, see a list of all of the subjects that uh, we talk about in in the episode um, as well as being able to click on that subject to jump to that point in the episode um, this is a pretty cool feature um, it's a little bit extra workload but i'm kind of liking having it there and I'm getting. Some positive feedback from listeners about it, um, and uh, I invited listeners. I'm only familiar personally with one podcast player um, called Overcast uh, on iOS that uh, that uh, supports this feature, um, and I invited listeners to uh, to send us um, their their uh, experience with other podcast players both on ios and android that uh, that support mp3 chapters and i've gotten a few of those and eventually i'm going to roll these up into a page on the ucap website so at some point you will see a tab appear uh, sort of underneath the masthead of our on our home page that talks about uh, uh you know i forget i don't exactly how how i'll put it but the mp3 chapter Players or something like that, um, and and I'll let you know what players you can use. But I would invite listeners to uh, to a continue to give me feedback on whether this is useful and interesting to you. But but perhaps more important, um, continue to send me um, either by email or uh, by way of Twitter or um, you know that sort of thing. Um, the names of. Um, particularly Android and iOS apps that support MP3 chapters um, so that we can let people know uh, which are, which are the ones that they can take advantage of like this. So uh, MP3 chapters um, are, are pretty cool. And, uh, and my a big thanks. I keep mentioning Overcast uh, and I am, I don't get any money from them or anything like that. I don't even know the guy, but there's a guy named Marco Arment, who's the developer of Overcast um, who also developed a tool called, oh, what did he call it? I think it's called forecast. Um, and uh, it is the tool that has suddenly made it very, very um, easy for me to add these MP3 chapters to our audio files. And so uh, big thanks to uh, Marco, both for Forecast and for Overcast, um, for uh, making this possible. So that's that's mine. What, you guys got any shout-outs before we wrap this thing up?
1: I should, but I can't remember... Um... Uh, I, I've just got a real quick shout out, um, kind of a perspective one. Uh, Aircraft Electronics Association, uh, starts their annual meeting on Monday. We don't know when this episode will hit the streets. Um, but, um, let's see, Monday, the, uh, Monday the 26th of March. Uh, I will be there. Um, I'll be doing, uh, um, their uh the magazine coverage of the convention but uh, it's a big deal for the avionics industry they're having a great year and just a shout out to aea and uh, uh to that convention and and uh, everybody who will be there
0: yeah cool that'll be that yeah, i'm jealous i wish i could go to one of those one of these days i will but uh, yeah david any shout outs yeah kind of a melancholy one uh For the
2: last several years, uh, some of you might know, the last couple of years I've volunteered to work on the uh, interview deck at Sun and Fun Radio uh, doing the 9 to 11 morning shift, which I'll be doing again uh, in a couple of weeks when we all show up at Lakeland. Uh, One of the real treats of that job was having on the deck as uh, Dave Schallbetter would put it, the uh, some of the ladies that flew for the Women's Army Service Pilots, the WASP, in World War II. And among the livelier, more interesting, uh, certainly more dynamic ones was a, uh, a, a lady named Florence Schutze Reynolds, who learned to fly in the Civilian Pilot Training Corps in 1940 and got called up in 41. And was one of the early WASPs to uh, join the war effort and help ferry airplanes around and test fly airplanes and and uh, transport VIPs and uh, anything that would free up a, a male combatant to fly combat missions, the WASP did. And it should see passed away uh, a, a few days ago at 92. And... Uh, Kind of uh, a disappointment personally because uh, I've been thinking about the new questions to ask her and new things to talk about when I saw her again at Sun and Fun this year. Uh, hell of a lady, mm-hmm. a great pilot. Uh, still looks sharp in her uniform when she showed up. Showed up at uh, the Sun and Fun radio station. Uh, my condolences to her family. A heart goes out to them. Uh, to just. A great, great uh, woman and a real patriot.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's very, very sad. Where the the, the population of surviving wasps is, is is dropping steadily. Sadly, but that's true of all World War II veterans. Um, I never had a chance to to interview any of these women, but I've listened to a number of them either on on the air or standing there on the deck watching and listening, and and they are r- remarkable women. <laughs> They are just amazing yeah. people, and uh, and the, you know, and and you know they're they're eighty and nine in their eighties and nineties, so you know slowed down in that regard. Yet the the kind of I don't know what word to use, joie de vivre, the the sparkle in their eyes. These, these mm-hmm. were these just terrific. All right, see that a lot with with male pilots from that era as well. But uh, you know the, the, these wasps are, are, are a remarkable category, and uh, it's sad to see them go. But I'm glad I'm glad that Sun and Fun Radio has given at least me an opportunity
1: to uh, to uh, meet them, if you will. Um, and uh, sad to see. Yeah, them. I, I don't. Yeah, go yeah, I didn't know Shutsy. I, I never met her that I recall, but I have met uh, and interacted with several wasps over the years, and uh, uh, it, it, they're all. Uh, uh, they, they don't take much gruff. No. Uh uh no. Uh, and and they have, you know, they have nothing left to prove and it's always been an uh an enjoyable experience, an enlightening experience, and I wish them all well and uh, thank them of course for uh, uh for everything they did back in the day.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um any other shout outs from you guys? Because I realize there's actually two more shout outs quickly I wanna do here.
1: Um are oh, you going to monopolize the shout outs uh, again
0: well they they, they both had be, they're both administration, so uh, I'm not really uh, uh, okay uh, no, uh, I'll let you much, um, so the first one is, is sort of an apology or just sort of an explanation. Um, so we, we in uh, UCAP world have gone through the last month or six weeks or so has been just a remarkably challenging time for us scheduling the recording of this podcast. And that's why it's been a month, um, since we have, we've done an episode. Um, and, uh, I, I, once again, I want to reassure people that our commitment to doing the podcast is not waned, but, um, we just hit a really weird patch in terms of, of, uh, of, travel and, and work and personal schedules and and trying to overlap uh you know a, a day a morning a half day when all three of us were available was a real challenge in the last month and a half and uh and that's why things have been a little bit irregular um and and without going into great details i would say that we are not taking this lightly we've kind of come up with a plan that we're going to try and use to um unfortunately it's unlikely that it will make the podcast regular so to speak <laughs> it's, it's, insert joke here um but um it, it, we're we're hoping that we will be able to average our goal of of two per month um and uh, and and uh, have as few of these big gaps as possible so apologies for the gap and for the delay um it's uh, it's just kind of life intervenes and work intervenes and uh, um, we're still and here take to- it take it from this old
1: white guy regularity is overrated yeah <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, but speaking of regularity though uh, My <laughs> final administrative item here is to, uh, is to remind everybody So this is probably, again This has to do with scheduling This is probably the last episode that we will record Before we arrive at Sun and Fun And start doing episodes from there And so I just wanted to one last time Remind people that we are going to be doing episodes From Sun and Fun as usual As we've done for, you know, whether this is our 11th or 12th year Or something like that um, And uh, we'll be doing uh, two full-blown episodes One at the beginning of the week on Tuesday afternoon and one at the end of the week on sunday morning um uh, from the deck of sun and fun radio and uh, you can listen on uh, sun and fun's radio you can also listen on sun and fun radio's live stream um or you could come to the deck and just hang out with us and and listen there um all these things are great so uh, we were doing those two full episodes the beginning of the weeks uh, tuesday afternoon after the daily air show and sunday morning Something like 11 o'clock in the morning. It varies from year to year, but uh, if you pay attention to what we're doing, you'll you'll know when. Um, and then we'll also be doing uh, shorter UCAP dailies throughout the week uh, where we uh, wander around the grounds and, and uh, chat with each other and with uh, various friends that we meet at the air shows, and we'll be posting those on pretty much a daily basis throughout the week. So uh, Uncontrolled Airspace will be at Sun and Fun, as usual, and we will be doing some fun stuff, and we hope that you will check out what we're up to. Um that's uh and now I'm, i, I want to say the dates but i don't have david you're good at dates what are the dates of sun and fun this year april 10 through 15 tuesday through sunday i knew david would have that on the tip of his tongue somehow yep. i knew that Yep.
1: Yeah. and it's unlikely folks that i will be there yeah i uh, to say i have uh i have some travel at the end of the week and i have a deadline in the middle of the week and uh it's just Probably not going to happen that I'll be there, but I will be there in spirit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, um, yeah, and wish you all gonna... very, very good uh, luck. Yeah.
0: And as we've done in past years, when one of us is absent from one of these things, we're, we're going to try and find a way to get you on the telephone so we can talk to you from while well, while we're there. We'll see if that works, but because because yeah, we'll you're going to be we'll like see. on the other side of the earth. Well, no exaggeration.
1: It's right? well, no exaggeration. Uh, uh, later in the week, yeah, I will be. Um, you know, talk to me right, make it worth my while, uh have a, you know, a cup of cold beers waiting. There's you know, maybe the possibility of my being able to pop up uh, for a couple of hours. Um, but we'll we'll talk about that okay. some more.
0: Sounds good. I did put you in for a media credentials, so you 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 okay. You're you're welcome and, and uh me me too. Uh sure, why not? Yeah I did. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I did. I put us all three. We're all going to get our media badges, and uh, and and people will think we're special. Oh, goody,
1: goody, goody, goody. Hey guys, I'd, thank I'd you. Put Ro- I'd put Robert Bowler in if I could, but you know. Uh, yeah,
0: well, that's another subject altogether. That's another um, topic.
1: <laughs> so we're gonna go there if if i thought it would make a difference
0: (laughs) where uh that's it guys thank you uh been way too long since we've had a chance to talk i'm really glad we got together this morning thank you guys uh uh uh, jeb burnside is a uh, freelance aviation writer and editor serving as the editor-in-chief for aviation safety magazine as well as a whole bunch of other things uh what are you up to these days You, you you're all over the place what are you working on jeb yeah
1: Right now, nothing. Uh, working on, uh, you know, trying to keep uh, body and soul headed in the right direction and and uh, flying in, you know, uh, uh, close formation. Mm-hmm. Uh, finish up the airplane this afternoon, Knockwood, um, and um, uh, that kind of thing. Next week starts the uh, the next iteration of uh, trying to churn out a magazine called Aviation Safety. That will be um, for the May issue of that magazine. And uh, we've got some interesting things coming up uh, there. Um, so there's that. There's uh, I mentioned uh, uh, AEA, um, the Aircraft Electronics Association. Uh, I'll be working on uh, some of their uh, uh, convention coverage. That will be available at AEA.net. Um, always popping up here, there, and yon um, with uh, generalaviationnews.com and avweb.com. As well as online.com.
0: Mm-hmm. and on
1: Twitter you are. Oh, Burnside J. Yeah.
0: How about Facebook? Are you on? <laughs> I,
1: no, I, I am. I am formally, uh, officially, finally, uh, have removed myself from Facebook, um, and ain't going back.
0: I sort of knew that. That's why that may well be the first time I have ever said the word Facebook on this podcast. I've had. Lo- you could well be. Will know that. that uh, yeah. May it may it be the last. <laughs> yeah. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and uh, and did I say? Did I ask you? In Twitter? Yeah, you did say your Twitter address. Good. Um, and then Dave Higdon. Dave is an aviation photographer, an aviation journalist, and the U.S. editor for London's ab Buyer magazine. David, what have you been working on?
2: Well. Uh, My business aviation blog, uh, the most recent one, uh, at avbuyer.com, talks about a uh, bill introduced by four senators called the Aviation Workforce Development Pilot Program. Uh, And I'm not going to delude myself and think they actually read one of my columns because I'd suggested that something like this for pilots and mechanics be started by the government. Along the lines of the civilian pilot training corps from 1939, that gave us the seed corn for the aviators that we needed at the start of World War II, uh, this uh, proposes to uh, do something similar on a pilot program level to uh, help develop a pool of uh, a deeper pool of aviation mechanics, aviation uh, avionics technicians, and so forth, because. Like every other job in aviation right now, we've got more vacancies and we've got bodies willing to take them. Uh, and McCollum this week, uh, the one following, uh, starts with this lead. Quick, name the head of the Federal Aviation Administration. Nope. Trick question. There isn't one. <laughs> okay. That sounds interesting. That sounds interesting. We'll check that out. There, there's an acting, and this White House has known since its inauguration that Michael Huerta's term was ending in January of 2018 yet somehow or another they seem to have no nominees for the top four jobs at the FAA Uh, Mr. Huerta did a nice job, he left in January Uh, the acting as his uh, deputy administrator Daniel Elwell uh, who seems up to the job of What's the problem, guys? You've known about this for 15 months that this was coming, and you're just floundering around and don't have a nominee. Unacceptable. And you know the president's 757 chief pilot is not a qualified candidate to take over the FAA. <laughs> no, not, not in this universe. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So uh, there are too many things that he doesn't know about the FAA, as he's shown in some of his statements uh, in the past and I've flogged this in a prior uh, business aviation blog for Bayer, that the president thinks he's qualified uh, because he said the FAA is using all the wrong equipment in NextGen. It's only the same equipment that the rest of the world decided to adopt through the International Civil Aviation Organization's work. But in his opinion, it's the wrong stuff. And he also stated to the president uh, many times, according to the president, That if a pilot was the head of the FAA, they'd do away with airline delays. And I looked back at all the pilots that have run the FAA and said, gee, nobody seemed to tell them, oh, wait that's because the FAA has no regulatory authority over routes and rates of the airlines zero zip mm-hmm. so if this guy doesn't know that he's not qualified yeah. to be the FAA administrator sorry so this,
0: this and more is in your blog for your avbuyer.com blog for next week right is that what you're saying yes sir okay
2: yes sir it should be should be up on, uh, on on Friday the the day after we're doing this podcast
0: Oh, okay so it's this cool. week's blog okay yeah because that'll be yeah. just about, I think this this will probably appear online on Friday during the day on friday friday i believe it's thursday now we're recording so anyway where else can people find you uh, on the internet david where can they find you oh i'm at avbuyer.com where my
2: monthly features and weekly blog appear uh aea.net uh where i do a couple of features a month well one or two features a month it seems uh or you can find me on the twitter machine at real higdon and uh, i'm on linkedin if you do that business thing uh no it's not like facebook uh otherwise just do a google search dave Higman aviation and remember I'm not the golf writer or the theoretical physicist at least not theoretically
0: yeah you've been saying that for 11 years I think you doth protest too much we may need to dig into this a little bit more jeb and find
1: out well have you ever seen a picture of dave Higman the the freelance aviation journalist and the uh dave Higman the physicist together you know have you ever ha- have we ever seen such a picture that's, that's i'm just i'm just saying
0: that's a thought that's gonna that's going to happen. I'm going to ponder that. That's a thing. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm Jack Hodgson. I'm a private pilot, a freelance writer, and a digital media producer. Um, and I'm digging out of the snow here. Um, uh, the, we didn't get more new snow, but we still got snow on the ground, so that's why I'm, I'm digging. I'm literally digging out. Um, I, I'm, I'm. It's taking me a remarkably long time this year to get settled after my winter travels. I'm just really partly because i've only been home like four days since since january but uh um so i'm I'm working on that um and uh uh, trying to do some video projects uh obviously trying to get the podcast out on time and that's good um i've just started a new project that i'm i have high hopes for so um anybody who's known me a really long time uh may remember that before the podcast i was a very very active blogger um I, i was i was one of those people who blogged who put up half a dozen or more posts every day uh, almost all week long uh, I was a very, very active blogger back uh, prior to 11, 12 years ago and when the podcast uh, took off um, it kind of filled my need for creativity and having a voice and so blogging kind of went by the wayside over the years I've, I've, I've made various false starts in trying to re- return to blogging which I miss on, on some level and they've all kind of fizzled out and so I've, I'm giving it another try is my the long story here that I'm finally getting to. And so if anybody's curious to see what kinds of things I might blog about, um, you can take a look at the brand new blog. It's only got about a half dozen entries total. I'm only shooting to do about one a day, if that. Um, So it's not going to be six a day like it used to be. But... uh um, and, and it's at a funny, I'll put the URL on my homepage. So if you if all else fails, go to jackhodgson.com and you'll see a link to, to this new blog. Um, but if you're really curious, um, it's got a funny URL, which is jackhodgson, all one word, jackhodgson.github, g-i-t-h-u-b dot i-o, jackhodgson.github.io is my new blog. And, uh, we'll see whether it catches on. I don't know. Time will tell. Um. I'm also doing uh, the occasional YouTube video at YouTube.com/slash/JackHodgson, and uh, you can uh, take a look at my uh, my uh, Around the Field eBooks uh, by doing a, a search uh, on Amazon for a search for Around the Field in the books section of Amazon. On Twitter, I'm Jack Hodgson, all one word, and you can sign up for my email newsletter uh, and learn more about me than you ever really wanted to know at JackHodgson.com. David, was there something you wanted to tell us? You want to turn
2: into an old pilot fly lots because time spent flying is not subtracted from your
0: lifespan. Bye bye. And that's enough talking. Let's go flying.
1: We're back.